Hello, everyone, and welcome back to It Gets Better. I am your host, Lindsay Atkinson, and today we are continuing on with my Ask Me Anything series. I had you guys before ask me a bunch of questions over on Instagram, mental health related, manifest related, and relationship related, and today we are diving into a lot of those mental health questions. It's so interesting. I'm actually pre-recording this. I mentioned in one of the previous podcasts, but Noah and I are spending five weeks, well, almost five weeks. It's like a month and a few days abroad. We will have a studio apartment in Paris. It's going to be the craziest thing ever. Just definitely a once in a lifetime experience. And I'm very grateful, but I'm also very nervous. I... I've never done great with change, even though I feel like my life has been constantly changing from where I came from to where I am now, like where I started. And I think that's just always kept me a little anxious because change is great and I am proud of the change I've made. And I definitely still let myself go with the change and go with the flow and kind of push myself to try new things. But it's a little scary. So when you're actually listening to this, I think we'll be on our last week of our trip in Paris. I've been pre-recording these episodes because it would just be too much to bring all of my podcasting equipment and I edit all of these episodes on a desktop computer. So I'm just gonna be taking my uh, my iPhone and then my iPad with me to Paris. So I wouldn't have like a way to edit the episodes. I guess I could edit them on my phone or something. I'm sure people do stuff like that. I, I just like it would be a lot. So I've been pre-recording. So when you're listening to this, I think it's our last week of of being in Paris, which is wild. Um, so I'm sure in the next episode, because I will be recording the next episode when I return from Paris, I'm sure a week from now or two weeks from now, from when you're hearing this, I'm going to have tons of updates on how that trip went. Maybe my next episode should be something, um, or either the next one or the one after, something about like what I learned of our time abroad or something. Um, so it's crazy to think that right now I haven't even gone, but when you're listening to this, it's like it's almost over. I don't know. That's just so in- intriguing to me to think about. So anyways, um, I am so excited for that, but I'm just kind of rambling and updating. Sorry. I know I listen to a lot of podcasts lately and I know a lot of people will give updates on what they've been doing and I see mixed reviews. Some people have been like, oh my God, I love the updates and catching up and some people being like, oh my gosh, you rambled so much. Like not for my podcast, for others being like, oh my gosh, this podcast rambles too much in the beginning. So I'm trying to keep my updates to like maybe a five minute maximum because I, I have listened to some podcasts where it's like about a specific topic and it takes like 20 or 30 minutes before they get into that. And I'm like, all right, this is nice, but <laughs> let's, let's get the show moving. So, all right, it's my, I'm at three minutes now, so it's time to move on. Let's go ahead and jump right into the questions. And the first one is, what are your thoughts on medication for mental health? And have you ever tried medication? Let's just start with the big one. I actually do take medication for my mental health. I think it is very brave for you to admit that you want to be on medication. I think there's nothing wrong with it, nothing to be ashamed of. I am someone who is a big believer in do what works for you, whether it's your mental health, physical health, spiritual health, relationships, whatever. And I'm, I'm just a big believer in like what works for you, what makes you feel best. So this is like a pretty deep, but Growing up, my obviously, I've mentioned before, my mom struggled and with mental health and refused to ever look into getting help. And, you know, obviously my mom then, she later on in life became an addict and really struggled her entire life. And there were times when I always hold on to those moments when I feel like she was her true self, her happiest self, and just such a great person. And then there were times when I 
growing up listened to my mom cry herself to sleep every single night there were times when she didn't get out of bed for a week there were times when she was extremely abusive and angry and mad at everything and it seemed almost like she turned into like a whole new person that I didn't recognize so I watched her go through so many different emotions and I always just wished she would talk to someone or do something it didn't have to necessarily be medication but she wouldn't even like you know try therapy necessarily um and I don't think she realized I don't know if she was really aware that something was going on or maybe she was I feel like she had to have been aware there was something going on but maybe she just didn't want to admit it to herself maybe I don't know and I I do wish that was something that I'll always think about is that when my mom passed it kind of like I don't so sorry I'm getting a little sidetracked but you know I was writing a book And I paused it because my mom passing just kind of broke this veil. And I think the reason it was taking me so long to finish my book is because in my head, I had always believed that one day my mom would get better. I believed that if I, this is really sad, I feel strange saying this, but it's just the truth. I believed that if I became successful enough and made enough like money that I could pay and convince my mom to let me pay to help her get better and get treatment. And even as I got older and was making more money, I actually did offer, I wasn't able to do some like massive treatment plan, but I did offer and I did pay many times to try and help my mom get better. And it just, it didn't work. But I kept thinking like, oh, if you just keep going with work and like you make more, maybe she'll like, you know, you could convince her to go to someplace out in New York City and start fresh. I don't know. I always had this like fairy tale ending in mind for my book of like my mom getting better and like me going to some facility she was at and like her being released and let's running open arms and like that's a sorry it's really sad um and then when she passed it just kind of hit me that that was never gonna happen and it truly made me realize like I can't force anyone to take care of themselves I can't force someone to get better or to want to do something different for their lives I can't force someone to change which is why first off I say people should do what's best for them and I think sometimes it's harder when we're like looking for someone else to give us the answers instead of just, you know, trying new things, going to therapy, trying medication, seeing what works for you. And after dealing with that with my mom, it really hit me that sometimes I I just had to own up to the fact that sometimes I have had issues where I, I don't say remind myself of my mom. I mean, there are obviously things I do that remind me of my mom. Of course, I had like you know, similar traits in some ways. Um, but with my mental state, you know, there were times when I would notice on a much smaller scale though, that I would go through a few days where instead of like not being able to get out of bed, it was just three, two or three days where I just kind of sat on the couch all day and like numbed out. And then there'd be days where I'd be in such a great mood. You know, I just noticed that maybe my mental health wasn't as good as it could be. And I have done so many things. I've done the therapy. I love therapy and therapy has been a big thing for me. Um, I've tried, I do all I have like the routines in place and I journal and I meditate and for the most part that has made a massive difference compared to where I used to be you know I think I have made if you if you had seen I wish I guess if you go back on my YouTube channel there might be videos but I'm not sure if if that stuff is out there but I used to be completely different in my mental health and if you are someone who followed me for a while you might remember even just from my stories you know how different I have become and I am proud of the work I've done but I did just sort of wonder could it be better And I saw this forum once of someone saying that they were so afraid of trying medication because they were afraid they'd be shamed for it. And then when they finally did it, it like hit them that it was someone who was like in her 50s was saying that she um, she felt like she missed out on 50 years of her life 
because she was so afraid of what people thought and now she like sees life clearly so yes basically everything that happened with my mom and just like kind of made me look at myself because I was always like oh I just wish my mom would try medication to see and then I was like wait I I wonder what would happen if I tried medication so yes I am on mental health medication and it's great I feel wonderful. I feel happy. I mean, obviously, life is not perfect. I still have bad days. It It is not something that just fixes everything. Um, it, just, it just helps me along a little bit more, but I still have to do all the other stuff. I still have to do my meditation, stick with my routine, go to therapy, all of that good stuff. So long story short is, yes, I do take medication. I am not ashamed of it. There were times when I was ashamed of it. I think it is a tough topic because I have a lot of friends, even in like the like law of attraction co- community, that really feel like, oh, are you sure you can't like manifest it away? And I'm like, while I do believe in manifestation and mental health, I believe that they both equally <laughs> have their own space. And I, I don't know. I just I believe that if you need medication, you should not be ashamed of it. And I don't think people should ever make you feel guilty for it. I there's a podcast that I was recommended that I I need to listen to, um, but I'm going to mention it here anyways because everyone is saying oh, the, how helpful it is. There's a podcast with Gabby Bernstein, and she went on. I think it's Manifestation Babe. I've actually never listened to that podcast, but I know a lot of people love it. So I think it's Gabby Bernstein went on Manifestation Babe and apparently did a podcast about how she thinks people in the spiritual community, even though she's very spiritual are gonna long-term harm a lot of people if they always continue to shame people for not taking for taking care of their mental health using medication because she said that because she was in like the spiritual community um she felt this is just what I've heard from other people by the way again I haven't listened to the episode she had heard you know she had felt really bad she was feeling really depressed and I guess she'd gone through like I think it might have been like postpartum depression either way she was dealing with depression but because she was in the spiritual community she felt like oh I need to just be more spiritual and practice meditation and all this different stuff and she said she got to the point where uh, I think they said she got to the point where she was just completely miserable and then she got on medication and it completely changed her life and it was a reminder that you have to realize when you're in a spiritual community like just because you are in a good place and you can't fathom like someone who can't fathom why someone would need medication doesn't mean that someone else doesn't have the right to then go and take medication because everyone's experience is so different and we definitely don't want to shame someone for doing something just because we can't understand it because maybe you someone isn't is in such a good place in their life that they can't understand why someone would need medication or someone was able to work out enough to get rid of their anxiety doesn't understand why someone else might need medication for because everyone's body is just different and that's where I stand I stand in the point that it's your decision and I think it's okay to try it and if you don't like it that's okay it's okay to try other things first if you're scared to get on it it's 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 okay to get on it and love it I I just think we have to take care of ourselves and and do whatever that means, whatever is best for you. So for me, yes, long story short is I am on uh, medication for mental health and I don't know if I'll do it forever. I don't know what my plan is for it, but right now I am on it. I have been on it for like about a year now, I think. It might be less, maybe eight months, eight months or so. And it's been a blessing honestly Noah even was kind of nervous at first and he straight up says that it really showed him how many like stigmas he has heard and like things that you hear on the on the internet that makes him think like oh it might be bad for me he's like no I can just see the difference and I see I see why it's helpful for you so and he is very very supportive of it okay sorry I feel like 
sometimes when I get nervous about a topic, I think I start to um and like even more, like say those words, because I get kind of nervous and talking about medication makes me nervous because I know it is a touchy topic and I know there might be people who get offended that I say that I take it. Some people might get mad at me. When I, I was so afraid to say online that I was taking medication because when I had mentioned it once, I, my DMs were flooded with people telling me like how bad it was and all these different things that were going to happen. And it's like, you're not my doctor. <laughs> like, don't do that. So it's like, I just think that's irresponsible. And I just, I hope no one comes at me. Like, and I'm not saying it's irresponsible to not take it. I'm saying it's irresponsible to tell someone else what they need to do. And I think we should like work those things out with ourselves. Like with professionals, I am very, very big and professional help and letting the people that studied this and know best like help you figure out your plan whether it is going to a personal trainer if you're thinking that you know fitness might help I know some people some people say like fitness has changed their life with mental health some people say therapy changes their life some people need a a combo of both so I think it's just figuring out what is right for you and not letting yourself feel like you are less than or somehow like should be embarrassed of taking it you know it is your life it is your journey and you deserve to have you know the life that you're dreaming of okay continuing on how to deal with obsessive or intrusive thoughts okay so what I learned to do through therapy is to just let them come to you and let them go let them go and it's crazy that obviously what I learned in therapy kind of like we just talked about may not work for everyone but you're welcome to try this because it did kind of fix them for me however I am also on medication now so maybe that fixes those kind of things but I don't mm, I probably still get occasional intrusive thoughts I definitely do they're not as bad as they used to be but I used to get really bad intrusive thoughts and they would terrify me and I would start to ask myself am I a horrible person oh my gosh like do I need help like is something wrong with me like am I about to do something horrible to myself like scary thoughts and then I would realize like I was never, I was so worried about it. I wasn't actually going to ever do anything. Those things weren't going to happen. They were just like scary, intrusive thoughts. And they usually come from anxiety is what my therapist had said is usually that it's like an anxious thought and that an intrusive thought is not who you are. It is not a result of who you are and what you believe in and what, who you actually are. It's just a scared thought that kind of comes out of nowhere. It can be like for a, it could be your brain searching for a dopamine hit. It can be your brain just trying, all these different reasons she explained. But she said that usually when we get the thought, we obsess over it so much trying to like make sure it's like we would never act on these things or we would never like, like we start to analyze them. And by doing that, we just give it more power. And instead, if you just let the thought come in your mind and you're like, huh, that's a weird thought. And just you kind of move on and keep going with your day, which it's going to take a little bit of work. It did for me to just like literally redirect myself into doing something else. Say you're cooking and there's a knife and you're like, oh my gosh, what if this knife just fell and slashed my foot open? Things like that. Um, instead of thinking, like letting yourself think like, oh my gosh, am I going to drop the knife on my foot? No, don't start thinking like, oh my gosh, wait, am I wanting the knife to drop on my foot? No. So those are the ways I used to think about those intrusive thoughts. And instead you think you, I would just completely redirect myself back to what I was doing. So if I was like cooking and I thought had a thought of what if this knife falls on my foot, I thought I'd be like, huh, that's a weird thought. And then redirect myself back to cooking and like even talk out loud to myself and be like, oh, I'm cooking, I'm cutting my pepper, I am doing my stuff and just kind of move on from it as best as you can. And eventually those intrusive thoughts will kind of realize that you're not giving them as much attention and it's not giving you that dopamine hit or whatever it's trying to achieve and they might lessen. However, 
if you do have them, you said obsessive or intrusive thoughts and they won't go away and maybe they're causing you a lot of mental stress or harm, do not feel um, embarrassed for seeking help for that. Definitely reach out to a professional and see what they think because, you know, it could be something else and I definitely... I'm not someone here to diagnose, you know, I'm not someone here to know for sure when it comes to these things. So absolutely do not be afraid if it is becoming too much and you don't feel like it's something you can work on on your own. Definitely reach out to someone. The next question is how to deal with anxiety during oral exams. I feel really dumb for not knowing what an oral exam is. Is that where you have to answer the questions out loud? Because I've never had an oral exam. Hold on, let me Google that. Okay, so I just Googled an oral exam is a practice in many schools. Oh my gosh, the examiner asked the questions to the student in spoken form. I've actually never had that happen to me. I luckily, like, so I didn't go to like a regular college. I did for one semester and then I dropped out and then I went and I did art school. So I did have, I did have to stand up and present my photos to a classroom. And we would have, we, when we would do or put our photos up, we were, uh, our, the, like the classmates were allowed to go around and critique our photos. That was gruesome, you guys. And I also was pretty feisty back then. I'm trying to bring that part of me back out a little bit where People would be like, oh my God, I'm a little afraid to critique Lindsay's photos. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want people to be afraid to critique me. But I used to be so unafraid of like speaking back. And I don't know where that ha- like where that went to. I definitely want to bring that back out and start working on that. And <laughs> maybe my medication will help that come back out. I think it's a little bit of practice. But I remember whenever my fo- when it was my turn to get up and like show my photos and talk how scared I was. But... I would do like the fake it till you make it kind of thing. And eventually, like I said, I got to the place where I wasn't really even afraid when my photos would go up on the board to like argue back when someone would critique my photos because art is subjective. So when someone would say, well, I think the photo would be better if it was a little darker, or a little brighter. I'd be like, well, the reason the photo is dark is because it's supposed to give you this sort of mood. So technically, if I would make it brighter, that would actually take away from what I was trying to achieve. And I was like not afraid to do things like that. And but I was in the beginning. And I think it comes for me. It was a fake it till you make it. So I love the whole sim self. Maybe I'll make a whole podcast. I think I talked about that in the last one, a whole podcast about it, where in my mind, I'm like, okay, if Lindsay is too scared to give this exam, Lindsay number two is going to give this exam, okay? Whatever you want to name your sim, which is just your fake it till you make it self, okay? Where you just pretend you're stepping into the most confident, confident, like, powerhouse empowered version of yourself put your hands on your hip strike a power pose you know say tell yourself a few affirmations strut yourself up and then do your exam and then you realize by the end that was actually you and it wasn't a separate self it's just a mind trick but I I think it's okay to be anxious just know you're gonna get through it and you can I recommend practicing a little bit beforehand for anything that makes you anxious practice does not make perfect but practice does make things easier I would like to do public speaking one day and give a TED talk and have retreats but I definitely will have to practice public speaking I think the podcast has helped me a little bit because I do get a little nervous about just the way I speak because I know I do say um and like a lot and I want to work on that and I get my voice gets a little shaky and I get nervous which is weird to think about now that I remember back in school that I did get to a place where I was so confident. So it really does show that practice helps and also 
just telling yourself and like let allowing yourself to step into that confident version of yourself because obviously if it worked for me before I'm like why not why couldn't it work for me again so this is a reminder to you and to me that it's okay to be scared of things but do it anyways like you're you know power through it and show yourself it wasn't that bad and it'll just keep getting easier and a little bit better you can all you can always like practice with your friends and stuff too if you have friends you can maybe do like little speeches in front of or have them quiz you maybe that would help a little bit um but let me know how it goes if you want to tell me on instagram i'm curious how your exams go so good luck with that and everything the next question is how do you get out of a bad mood funk i feel like i've been stuck in one for the last few days oh no i'm sorry this is literally going live a month or so after you sent me these questions so I'll probably maybe I'll send you a um a separate message too but how do you get out of a bad mood funk well for me I first let myself just kind of feel it so three days is not it's really not the end of the world it's okay if you felt bad for three days it's it might be what your body needed maybe your body needed to sulk a little bit you know what happened is there a circumstance that something happened that needs your attention it's like sometimes someone is mean to us or we have a really anxious moment or something happens and then we're shaming ourselves for feeling bad and then what we're doing is we're making we first we feel bad and then we're adding shame on top of it which just makes us feel worse so release the shame of being in a bad mood and just let yourself feel the bad mood I think when we're searching to get out of a bad mood and how to feel better sometimes it makes it take a little longer sorry there's sirens but if we just kind of let ourselves feel it for a little bit, it might help it dissipate on its own. Obviously, if this is something where it takes longer and longer and you mean more of like a depressive thing, of course, again, I would recommend reaching out to someone who is a professional at this. But if you are just feeling like, okay, I've been now, if you're thinking like, okay, I let myself feel it for a day, few days and I really, really let myself feel it and I am starting to feel better and I'm wanting to start to get back to myself you could definitely give yourself a nice little self-care oh, actually okay let me take a step back so if you are feeling bad still something I like to do if I have had trouble letting out my emotions is have like a dedicated sad day or angry day and that sounds so strange but it has helped me tremendously especially with grieving because I realized there were a lot of time with a lot of times with grieving my mom that I just was kind of numb to it so I would literally I think I mentioned this in another podcast I will still sometimes put some time aside and I will play the saddest music I can think of or watch a really sad movie you know I can take a bubble bath whatever you want to do that just gets you in your feels and let myself listen to something or watch something that just helps me bring out those tears and then I will just move on to letting myself cry about what I'm actually wanting to cry about and then I'll typically journal about it after about how I'm feeling really honest with myself and it really kind of helps me with that emotional release so if you're struggling getting the emotions out try that and then when you're ready to like kind of move on and have a better day just let yourself start fresh in the morning when you wake up the next day you know just remind yourself out loud today is a new day today is a new day and ask yourself okay I I may not be able to go from really bad mood to the best mood ever but maybe I could just go one mood up maybe I could have a goal of just feeling grateful or hopeful and just do things that make you feel a bit more hopeful or grateful and then throughout your day ask yourself okay what's the next mood maybe after hopeful or grateful I want to feel excited and proud of myself for you know what I've been through and then you can try and do some things throughout your day that make you feel more excited or proud so it's just by slowly letting yourself climb that emotional ladder I guess and it's obviously up to you what things make you feel excited what things make you feel grateful whether it's reading a certain book or maybe it's going on a walk with a friend or going on a walk by yourself treating yourself to a nice coffee 
anything, cleaning the house if you feel like you need a clean space and makes you feel proud, anything like that. I love to, when I want to feel proud of myself, I will accomplish something that's been on my to-do list for a while. Maybe I'll clean out my closet or clean out what is that noise? Or I'll clean out the refrigerator. Those always make me feel so proud after because I'm like, okay, I know I needed to, I have needed to do that for a long time. And just slowly let yourself climb, like I said, the emotional ladder. Um, but be kind to yourself and be gentle with yourself and know that. Ask yourself how you would handle, if it was a friend going the same, through the same situation that you're going through, how would you handle it with them? You definitely wouldn't be hard on them. You wouldn't think they should be ashamed of feeling sad. You'd probably be there for them. You would put your arm around them and maybe let them cry on your shoulder. You know, you would just be there for them. So make sure that you're also being there for yourself. And the next question is benefits of ther- therapy versus just working on yourself with a partner. Okay, I definitely think... I would prefer working on myself with through therapy. Um, now, obviously, if you're saying you and your partner just have things to work through, maybe they're like small things, of course, you can work on them together. But if you're saying like you have specific things to work through that maybe are pretty deep and you're saying like, can I work through them with my partner? That's a lot of emotional baggage to put on someone. I personally, like when I'm struggling with things with my mom, of course, Noah's there for me. And there's times when I had like vented to him, but that shouldn't be the thing I do all the time. I shouldn't always just be telling Noah like horrible down sad thoughts every single day. Again, you should have a partner that supports you, but you know, if you've ever had a friend that like is constantly like telling you like these horrible things that are going on in their, their lives and you're like, you don't really know how to fix it for them and you leave the situation probably feeling pretty bad as well. You don't want to do that to someone 24 seven and constant. So it's hard because I don't know what you mean of like what you're working on. If you're just, it says working on yourself with a partner. So if it's like you and your partner trying to fix your communication skills, yeah, you could probably try working on that together. No and I have, we've never done therapy together, but we have together on our own worked on our communication skills. We've sat down and, you know, talked about, okay, what are things we can work on? Things that have been struggling, you know, were like a struggle in the beginning, which is communication was one of them. So we decided to start talking to each other the way we would talk to other people. I read this somewhere I think it was Aspen Ovard and Parker had shared that they noticed that when you get married and you're really comfortable with someone you start to talk to them like they're not someone you care about like if you're in a bad mood you might be like move if you're trying to get past them but if you're talking to a stranger you'd be like oh excuse me and we start kind of lashing out at this person that we care about and that was something that Noah and I worked on in the beginning is treating each other with respect and talking to each other like we love each other because we do and not yelling at each other we don't really yell at all um which of course it's normal to have fights we do have fights but we don't yell like I I grew up in a house where everyone screamed and I was screamed at my entire life and now if someone raises their voice I just shut down I go back into child Lindsay and I shut down and I get really I just don't want to talk because I I was never the one to yell and I just was yelled at for so much. And so we don't yell and we've just figured out our communication styles together. So if it's something like that where, yes, of course you can try and work on it together. But if it's if you're just trying to work on something that you're going through, I definitely would recommend trying therapy um, or a support group or anything like that instead of just relying on someone else who is not a professional to try and fix that for you because that can be a lot. You also said, what are the benefits of therapy? There are so many benefits of therapy. First off, this is a professional person who knows how to deal with what you're going through. And it's someone who is unbiased. So they're not going to just, versus like a partner, they're unbiased. So they're not just going to tell you what you need to hear or not going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to tell you what you need to hear. And they can give you practical steps to work on things. It's a great place to vent without feeling like 
you know, you just put all this weight on someone else's shoulders because that's what you're, they're paid for is to listen to you. And they're not listening from a place of where it's going to make them feel sad. They're listening from a trained professional place where they can actually give you helpful feedback in the end. So I think there are so many benefits of therapy and I actually, more than any, more than anything else, I credit therapy for what has changed my life the most. Next is how can you show up for friends while they're going through grief? Oh, that's like, that's a really good one. So it's tough because everyone is different. And for me, when I was grieving, I think having people just reach out and tell me that they're thinking of me was more than enough. What I didn't like, I'm just going to be honest, was people seeming like they just wanted to know what was going on at the time. Like when I was announced that my mom had passed, I had so many people that would reach out and be like, hey, I saw that your mom passed. Like, if you're looking to tell someone what happened and you want to vent about what everything that's going on, please know that I'm I'm here to listen. And I actually do know that probably is coming from a good place. But I also think it was sometimes coming from like a nosy place because I've seen stuff like that online, like someone passes and your, your first thought is, oh my gosh, what happened? But that doesn't mean I actually need to go and ask the person like, oh my gosh, how did she pass? Um, and I felt like that was a bit insensitive in the beginning from a few people. No one, if you're listening, if you're a friend listening to this podcast, it was not you. Like it was people from like my high school mainly and more like older home, like homeschool, homeschool, like home, not homeschool, I was never homeschooled. What am I thinking? Hometown friends who had reached out and they were just kind of, oh my gosh, what happened? And I'm like, I know you mean well, but that actually hurt and it just made me feel uncomfortable because I wasn't ready to talk about it. And then... I think people that were just simply there, it was really helpful. I did talk about it in, in a episode, was it on my podcast or on YouTube? Well, I talked about it somewhere that it was a little overwhelming when everyone is sending you stuff and depending on what they were sending. So I think if you want to send flowers or a card, wonderful. If you want to send like some candy or like, I don't know, so some soup, wonderful. But I think if you're going to send something that's more for example I received I feel bad because I don't want anyone to like feel bad um these are just examples these are examples I received tons and tons of people sending me like books on um grieving a an abusive parent grieving and grieving someone that overdosed and I never shared that my mom died from an overdose I never said that so I was like um okay that's uncomfortable so those kind of things did make me feel a little overwhelmed when I was getting so many um and, but that's also just me. That's just how I felt in the moment. And then later on, once I like got through that grief, obviously I felt more grateful for those people. I was like, you know, they were just trying to help. So it's like, in that's what's hard is people listening might be like, wow, you were feeling ungrateful for people sending you stuff. No, when you're grieving, it is, it is such a raw, painful, angry at the world feeling where I can't explain it. You know, I was just angry at everyone and everything and nothing was going to make me feel better in the moment except for grieving. And so obviously when time passed, I was like, okay, I actually really appreciate these people taking the time out to obviously go to a bookstore and look for something that they think would help me. So later on, I was like still grateful for people for sending me those. It's just in the moment when when it was like two days after, it kind of stung a little bit. But I don't know if that means I shouldn't have sent it because now I do think about the fact that, oh, that means they really were like trying to think of what might help me. So honestly, maybe the maybe the way I would if if I have actually since then seen a few people who have lost family members. And what I've done is I when when I first found out, I gave them a day or two because I know that my messages were flooded and I waited a day or two and then was like, hey, I know 
Uh, I saw what happened. I just want to tell you I'm here for you, and I know that you're going through a lot right now, um, and I'm so sorry for your loss. I don't want to say things like, for specifically because of what I, what what upset me is like, I I made sure not to say things like just a reminder that everything happens for a reason or things like that because that is not what someone wants to hear in those moments, especially not three days after. So I just kept it very supportive, like you know I'm here for you. I know you're going through a lot. I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, your parent, your blank was an amazing person and I'm sure they loved, you know, just really, really vague but supportive stuff. Maybe not implying anything. I'm not asking them what happened. And then if you want to wait a few weeks or something, maybe a week or two, and then you want to send, or even maybe in the beginning, if you're looking to send something, yeah. I think the people that sent me flowers in the beginning was beautiful. Um, A bunch of my friends sent me flowers and I thought that was the sweetest thing. I put them all over my apartment and honestly, walking out and seeing the flowers, I'm getting emotional and seeing the flowers did make me feel better. So that was super, super sweet. So if you want to do that and if you want to send flowers or candy or whatever it is you want to send, that is a great idea. And then if you're wanting to send something more personalized about what they might have been going through if you know more specifics I would maybe wait a little bit you know wait at least a month to let things like kind of calm down in their mind and just see if that's if they're okay with it and maybe ask if you're going to send something um that's more personalized towards it about whatever they specifically went through um but again this is just my experience and that's the hard part is that I don't want to say this and then what if the person that you're talking about maybe they would love to receive a book on how to grieve um, a toxic parent you know maybe they would so I think you probably know the person better than I do and you just got to go with your gut you got to go with what feels right but just ask yourself in the moment am I doing this because I care for them and I want to be supportive or am I just wanting to know more details like I think that's something just ask your intentions and if your intentions obviously are to be a good person and to care for someone and maybe help them feel better do it you know go with your gut go with your maybe not go with your heart go with your heart and your brain and ask yourself like what you would want in that moment and it is it's really it is really a sticky situation because I do feel like people are probably listening like I can't believe you're ungrateful for this and it's no it wasn't that it's just when you lose someone I don't know, you don't want to be reminded from a bunch of book covers that they were a toxic and that they were an addict. In in those moments, all I wanted to do was remember my mom for the best moments. I instantly just pulled out the great memories, the good photos, the things that made me feel better about, you know, about the situation. And yeah, that's, that's, that was tough. I'm sorry if I went too deep there, but that, I guess that's my answer. It's kind of all over the place. I think if I had to sum, to sum it up, I would just say to ask yourself what your intentions are when you're sending it and just make sure that your your intentions are pure and you're just trying to be supportive. And then I think that will lead you in the right way. Okay, next is how to not drop back to old habits while visiting family and hometown. I do this a lot. Okay, so this is a tough one because I stopped going to my hometown for a long time because... I noticed when I would go back to my hometown, I would become someone I didn't want to become again. I don't know if I necessarily, I guess I probably did go back into old habits because I would immediately be fighting with my mom, getting in like screaming matches and me crying the whole time and me begging her to do this, try and get help. And it was just exactly what I had done before. And there was a very long like two, three, maybe three or four year stint where I didn't go home because I just realized it wasn't healthy for me. And I started just instead having my brothers come to visit me here. And 
it is really tough because of course you want to go home and see family I'm sure and friends so now that I'm now I did recently go back for Thanksgiving and I felt like it was really healing and really beautiful and I just really made sure to be to stand proud in who I am and remember that I've worked so hard to get where I am today so I wasn't gonna let anyone diminish that or make me feel bad because obviously my family might have different views on where I live and the job I have and I just made sure to stay really proud of who I am and not downplay my success and not downplay my work and not step back into that role but it is really hard and I think a big thing that did help me was going to therapy because going to therapy is when I started to realize that I needed to become myself on my own before I could go back in that environment. That's not me telling you not to go to your hometown, but maybe just when you are by yourself, work on becoming so proud and confident in who you are. And maybe also, you could this could be a journaling exercise to ask yourself why you feel the need to step back into a different role when you go there instead of letting them see who you are now. Is it, a, is it fear of them not accepting you? Is it fear of them being unhappy with you? And then work on, then you have to dive even deeper and try and figure out why you're worried of them not being proud of who you are because you should be proud of who you are so that that way no one can kind of so that you're like unwavering and feeling who you being who you are now it's going to be a lot of work I completely feel for you because there is no quick answer but I think it does come down to a little bit of mental work of figuring out like how to make sure that you are so proud of who you are now that it really doesn't matter if even the most the closest people to you don't agree and I don't know it is really tough and I really I really do I feel for you because I remember all those times when I'd go back to my hometown and I would just feel miserable and it just made me not want to go back and it also comes from setting a boundary because before I started going back to my hometown I let people know like when I because they obviously were there for the fights as well like I don't want to come back and fight if we fight I'm gonna leave if this happens I'm gonna go stay at a hotel and I did that I actually one of the last times I went to my hometown I told my mom if we fight I'm leaving like if we get into a screaming match like screaming match not like a little disagreement if we start screaming if she starts screaming at me and cussing and saying really just hateful things and telling me she like hates me that I'm not gonna stay and the moment that happened I had to stick my ground because if not I am continuing to let I'm showing this person that they can continue to get away with it So I had to set a boundary and you have to stick with that boundary. So the moment she started screaming at me, Noah and I packed up our stuff. My brothers were very upset that I was actually leaving. Um, My brothers no longer lived with my mom either. So we had all kind of met there. And I was like, I'm sorry, you guys are welcome. Obviously you can stay, but if you want to come stay with me, I'm going to go get a hotel. And then I think I ended up getting a cabin and um, I'm pretty sure my brothers ended up coming and staying in the cabin. Yeah, they came and stayed with us in the cabin for like a night and a half. And in the end, my mom did apologize and we all went and got brunch before I left and she was calm and she did not bring up any of the topics that she knew was just going to start a fight and I was able to leave that specific time on a good note and it's tough to set a boundary and to stick with it especially because you're like okay well what if they don't ever come to terms well it that is that's a really tough thing but I do think boundaries are really important and sticking with it so they know that they just can't continue to treat you a certain way but obviously yours says like how to not drop back into old habits so obviously I don't know if people are treating you a certain way um so if it's just habits of you doing like acting a certain way that you don't want to act as well you have to ask yourself it really comes back down to asking yourself like what 
is making you do that and why and like why don't you feel good being who you truly are and also setting a boundary with yourself you could even say to yourself if I start acting like this the way I don't want to act I'm going to take a break I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to leave I'm going to go get a coffee by myself and reevaluate why I'm acting like this instead of just staying in the environment and letting it kind of fester and get bigger while you're there just say I'm going to just like take take a step away and then kind of reevaluate and then come back if you can so hopefully that helped that's a very long answer but these are all long answers for me okay next one is um any tips on dealing with body image issues I think it's been tough because I I don't I I never feel comfortable talking about this stuff because I am naturally small but I'm not gonna pretend like I don't have body image issues I struggle with acne sometimes especially like on my shoulders and on my face my face is really broken out right now um and of even just growing up listening to my mom, my mom used to always talk about the day I turned uh, 30 or 25 or something that I would end up having legs just like her and that I would understand why she was always so, my mom was very obsessed with her weight as well and was always like, if I could just lose this 20 pounds and then I'd be happy and, you know, was very mean about herself. And I noticed there were times when I started to mirror that behavior and I started saying things like oh my gosh my mom was right I just started as soon as I turned 27 I gained so and so pounds and now I can't get rid of it and I realized that was not helping me and it wasn't doing anything for me it was just making me feel like crap and so I started look like remind looking at my like in my head my younger self and imagining if she was listening to if she got to see me today talk like that because my younger self hated watching my mom talk like that because I thought my mom was the most beautiful woman And so if my younger self heard me saying these things, she would be so devastated. We have to really become our own best friend and talk to ourselves the way we would talk to someone else, even if you don't feel it at first, because it might feel fake, but talk to yourself like you're talking to your younger self. Tell yourself how beautiful you are and how wonderful you are and talk to your body like it's something you love because it deserves to be loved. And I I think that's the biggest advice I could get I could give is that I just really have worked on I'm about to start reading a book it's called how to heal your life I'm going to make probably once I read it I'll make a podcast episode about it because I know everyone says this changes like really helps you heal just the way you talk about yourself and the way you feel about yourself I hear it recommended all the time I think it's from like it's a much older book but and one thing I've heard people talk about from podcasts when they're talking about the book is that just the way you speak to yourself really matters and you'll notice the way you feel is a reflection of how you speak to yourself and a lot of those people say they have like read the book apparently it's pretty popular to put like a sticky note on your mirror with like affirmations and that is something that I did when I was younger because like I said um, my mom had really amazing times too with me and there were times when she was wonderful and the best mom ever and one thing that I've always held on to is my mom caught me um like calling myself ugly all the time I was like start to be really mean to myself because I had acne and I would tell myself I was ugly and it made my mom cry like I she was so upset with me and she was like you are not allowed to call the child that I gave birth to ugly and she made me take a bunch of sticky notes and put them all over the mirror and every single time I would call myself ugly she would make me go into the bathroom for 15 minutes and she would sit she would sit outside of the bathroom and listen and make sure I repeated those affirmations or like those sentences to myself over and over for 10 minutes and sometimes she'd also then make me get out a piece of paper and write down over and over and over I am beautiful I am beautiful and I remember it felt ridiculous but when I got older 
in my 20s and I was living on my own, there were times when I didn't feel good about myself. And you know what I went back to? I grabbed the sticky notes and I put them on my mirror. And before I even knew what the terms affirmation was, affirmations and stuff, before I even learned about those, I realized that's what I was doing. And they really did still make me feel empowered and it really did help. And in some of my worst times when I would do that, I noticed that before I knew it, I was starting to feel a lot better. And maybe I didn't realize that the sticky notes were helping, but it's like the more you start to tell yourself how much you love yourself and how beautiful you are, you start to act that way. You start to do more things that reflect the way you're speaking of yourself and it just gets better and better. So um, I have just heard a lot of people saying that they've read that book and it also made them do sticky notes and affirmation. So I plan on reading it really soon uh, while we're in in Paris. So I'll talk about it in a future podcast if I like it. And so maybe try that. Put some sticky notes everywhere, even if it seems silly. And remember that you're talking to your younger self too. And you're also you're also setting up for future generations. Obviously, I don't know if you're having kids, if you have kids or anything like that, but I try to remind myself that whether or not, I don't know if I'm going to have kids one day, but if I do, I don't ever want to, my child to hear me talk about myself the way my mom did. Cause you know, my mom was sitting, would not let me call myself ugly, but yet she would call herself ugly. And I don't want to do that either. I want to make sure I set an example for any future generation that I would not let them call themselves ugly, but I also would not call myself ugly or anything like that. So I hope that helped and it's getting kind of long. So let's do one more. And that is, how do you keep yourself motivated with your mental health? I would say come up with a great routine. You don't have to do a million things. It doesn't have to be a hundred things. Maybe start with one or two, even just one activity. No, I'd say two. Let's do like two activities that are really empowering for your mental health maybe it's not spending the first 30 minutes you wake up on your phone and maybe it's um either like maybe sitting in silence for 10 minutes or meditating or maybe it's getting a workout in pick two things that you know always maybe not life's not perfect it won't happen always but for the most part you notice a big difference in your mental health for me if I look at my phone in the first 30 minutes I end up scrolling so much that day versus if I put it away for the first 30 minutes to an hour and also if I start my day with either some sort of movement meditation or journaling I notice how much better better (laughs) sorry better my day is I've been talking for too long um better my day is from those activities or maybe I'll do it midday so maybe you start your day off without your phone for 30 minutes and you sit on the couch with your coffee in silence and have kind of like a meditative moment or you sit with if you live with someone you sit with a partner and have like a fun uplifting gratitude filled conversation for 10 minutes to start your day it doesn't have to be long and then maybe midday if you're wanting something to kind of boost you midday or at the end of your day, maybe then you go for a walk or you do a journaling session. That way you've just added two things in that are consistently trying, just like trying to keep you on track with your mental health. It's not always going to be perfect, but those things really help. My therapist really like like honed in on, on like really honed in on the fact that how important a routine is because your brain will just eventually start to crave that and it does take time, but it will just become like the routines we have now and she always said it was more important to focus on creating new habits than it was on uh, getting rid of habits because she was saying that sometimes we focus so much on the bad habits that we make them worse but instead if we just focus on adding new habits that slowly they will replace the bad habits anyways and I think that's really genius because what you focus on expands so focus on new habits that empower you and keep your mental health in a place that you want it to be and you know try and do them as often as you can and yeah take care of yourself and one of those things it could even be things like not being allowed to talk poorly to yourself or putting sticky notes on like I just said putting sticky notes on your mirror little things like that that you put around your house is just or like a vision board even little reminders you put around your space to keep you 
on track to take care of yourself. So I love the ideas of the sticky notes to remind you to talk kindly to yourself because obviously talking kind, if you care about yourself, you're going to talk kindly to yourself. And often we care about ourselves, but we don't talk kindly to ourselves. So if you force yourself to talk kindly to yourself, maybe spend a little time off your phone in the morning so you're not immediately looking for a dopamine hit from your phone and do something that makes you feel grateful or just refreshed in the morning and then adding in some sort of self-care activity whenever you can, whether it's, you know, like I said, the workouts in the morning or midday, afternoon, it doesn't have to be a certain time, just when you can do it, I think you're going to notice a big difference. But the most important thing for all of that is consistency. So know that it's going to start, it's going to come from dedication and not motivation. Motivation is not always there in the beginning, but the more you stay disciplined and kind of dedicate yourself to doing these activities for a while, eventually you will notice how great you feel because of it. And because of that, then you will feel motivated to continue and then you will see the benefits as well. So it's a big win-win. So I hope this episode was helpful. If you want me to do a part two, I feel like this was really more about like mental health feelings which is great but we didn't talk a lot about like the habits like we just started maybe I'll do a part two in the future where we talk about like more of like a wellness topic more like wellness stuff um if you guys would be interested in that 